Appalachia. Appalachia is a very distinct word, and everybody has their own opinion of what it represents. Moreover, though, whether it's right or wrong, it stirs up images of everything from indescribable mountaintop beauty, deep forest, and cabins in the wood to trailer parks, meth heads, extreme prejudice, and xenophobia. The fact that one word can bring up such a huge response is an owed to its far-reaching influence in society. The Appalachian Mountains are the oldest mountains in the world. They once towered 30,000 feet into the air and currently stretch from Canada through 14 states all the way to Louisiana. The inhabitants of these mountains through the many years of their existence have lived through and witnessed what can only be described as horrendous, demeaning, and even downright unbelievable history as we are now learning every day is not exactly what we've been told and what was once thought to be nothing more than fairy tale is now coming to light as truth. I often hear references to the movie Deliverance or people making funny banjo sounds when describing the Appalachians. I, being born and raised in these mountains, know that nothing in fact could be more wrong or, in some cases, more right. The history that lies in these mountains is rich and has been around longer than any place in the United States. In fact, far longer than the United States itself. We'll look into these mountains and learn about the good, the bad, and the ugly history that lies within them to this very day. Hello, I'm Larry Bentley, and this is Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend. Welcome back, my good friends. Please lend me your ears once again as I tell you the true tale of what happened back in 1915 in Blackville, South Carolina. This is the story of the Blackville Zombie. Throughout history, there have been many instances of people being buried alive. Not accidental, but through the normal course of being prematurely pronounced dead, being put in a box and buried right after their funeral. This has been confirmed through archaeology and, in fact, was well known even to George Washington, the father of our country. President Washington so feared being buried alive that he stated in his will that he wasn't to be buried until at least 24 hours passed after being declared dead. That being said, we head to the Appalachian Mountains of South Carolina near the Georgia line where we find a town called Blackville. Blackville is a small town in Barnwell County, South Carolina. The town was named after Alexander Black, a railroad promoter. One big event that happened in history of Blackville happened on December 22, 1781. A band of British loyalists fought with a group of local patriots two miles north of Blackville. The location was called Windy Hill at the time, and it's slightly east of the present-day Healing Springs Park and their church. The commanding officer was Captain Benjamin Odom, Jr., who was a member of Colonel William Harden's regiment. Sixteen patriots were killed, and Major Bloody Bill Cunningham was believed to be the commander of the Tory company. The area was known for many years as Slaughter Hill after that. 
Now, the population of Blackville has always been low due to its rural setting, but a sparse population doesn't eliminate the possibility of something odd happening, and that's exactly why we're here today. In 1915, Essie Dunbar was a resident of Blackville. She was a 30-year-old that made her living picking cotton. Now, not much is known about Essie as far as her upbringing, or actually very much other than what I've already said, other than one thing. Essie had a condition that would cause her to have what are known as grand mal seizures. The condition was diagnosed as epilepsy. Now, in case you're wondering, epilepsy is a group of neurological disorders characterized by recurrent epileptic seizures. Epileptic seizures are episodes that can vary from brief to and nearly undetectable periods to long periods of vigorous shaking due to abnormal electric activity in the brain. These episodes can result in physical injuries, either directly such as a broken arm or leg or biting a tongue or lip or even causing accidents to happen during the progress. In epilepsy, seizures have a tendency to recur and have no immediate underlying cause other than the this essay was healthy other than that. I suppose one good thing for Essie was that by this time in history, people knew what caused her seizures and didn't still think it was witchcraft of some kind, and, or maybe things might have worked out a little differently here. On one day during the summer of 1915, Essie failed to show up for work. Everybody knew that she just didn't miss work, so they went to find her. Find her they did, they... She was lying unconscious on the floor of her kitchen, and she, they sent for Dr. D.K. Biggs. After checking Essie, he found no signs of life and declared her dead. The locals, after notifying her sister in another town, immediately came together and built her a wooden casket, which was the custom of the day, by the way. She was dressed and laid out in her coffin. Back during this time in rural Appalachia, it was customary to have a funeral the next day because having an undertaker in town who performed the embalming practices of the day was a rarity. There just weren't enough people living in the town to sustain a business of that nature. That being the case, Essie's funeral was scheduled for 11 o'clock the next morning as to allow time for her sister, who she was very close to, to hop a train and get there just in time to make it. By 11 o'clock, the sister hadn't made it, but the service had to begin. There were three ministers who spoke at her celebration of life service. That's exactly what Essie had requested. They had a long service that included a light snack and a all recounted to kind-hearted Essie with fondness. By the end of the service, and as Essie was carried to her final resting place and once again laid upon the top of the grave for the final words of the three ministers, her sister was still nowhere to be found. Then feeling just awful that they had to continue without her, they lowered Essie into the grave and began to cover her coffin, just as the sister finally showed up. Her train had been delayed, causing her to miss the service, and she began to cry uncontrollably at the thought of never seeing her sister again. The crowd at the graveside felt sorry for her, and they finally agreed to pull up the coffin and grave and let her take one last look at her sister. But that, my good friends, is where things turned around. 
Stick around. You don't want to miss this. I'll be right back. You're listening to Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend. I'm Larry Bentley. Welcome back. Now, we were at the part where the coffin was coming up out of the ground, but uh, anyway, the coffin was brought up for the sister to view the body of her own sister, Essie Dunbar. It is laid by the graveside, and the lid is pried off, and the sister looks on. There lying in peaceful repose is indeed her sister, Essie. As complete silence fills the air, and the entire congregation looks on, Essie sets up. She looks around as if she's wondering where she is and what the heck is happening. And immediately the three ministers pass out cold, falling backwards into Essie's grave. Two of them trample the third one, trying to get back out, leaving the poor man with broken ribs. Upon seeing her sister standing there, who, by the way, she hadn't seen in quite some time, Essie gets a huge smile on her face and reaches for her sister to give her a big hug. And that does it. The whole congregation takes off for the hills, running like they just saw a ghost, which they believe they just had. Essie then climbs out of the coffin and lights out after him, just wanting to know what's going on. Meanwhile, the ministers all run in the opposite direction, one, of course, holding his ribs. By the next day, the trampled ministers being treated by Dr. Biggs for the broken ribs, and the town looks like a ghost town as nobody's anywhere to be found. All while Essie is back home going about her business. Slowly, though, things about the small community begin to return to normal. Well, I guess uh, what you might call a new normal anyway. Essie became known as the zombie woman, and if she was seen walking around town, most people avoided her altogether. People stopped coming by to visit her, but even that slowly began to wane as some of her family and close friends, after a few months, began to slowly show up. Now, I'm not sure if this is where the urban legend of bodies setting up in coffins began, or if it's more that than is currently known, but I do know that Essie went on to live a full, happy life, living for another 47 years before truly passing away in, at 1962 at the age of 77. Most people in Blackville, South Carolina have probably forgot about Elsie by now but, and go on about their daily business as, as usual, but the strange case of Essie Dunbar lives on in the history of the Appalachian Mountains. I hope you've enjoyed our story today. If you have, please rate and review the podcast, and don't forget to subscribe, please. Please go over to our Patreon page at patreon.com and search Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend and give it a look. If you'd like to join, there are several levels to join, choose from, and from Mountain Boomer all the way up to Appalachian Hillbilly. You can also go to our Facebook group, Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend Podcast, where we can discuss anything Appalachian or whatever else you'd like to talk about. I'll be back soon with another Appalachian Murder, Mystery, or Legend. I'll see you then.